0: Hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is a kind of a landmark episode in relation to it's episode 250, which is absolutely and utter madness. So when I started this podcast back in twenty December 18, I never thought in my right mind would it ever get to this. So thank you um, from the bottom of my heart and thank you from Jane, Dallas and myself who are the coaches for working with myself um for us for shane walsh fitness very lucky to have those guys on side and we are very passionate about what we do and it's 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 epic to see the the involvement with clients and the changes of clients habits and managing cholesterol and like loads of different things that we're kind of working with so today's episode is actually a recommendation from one of our clients in relation to kind of helping with kids So today's episode is with Kathy Monahan. So Kathy is the owner and creator of Weaning.ie or Weaning.ie. So Kathy is a mom of three and she has over 15 years at Temple Street as a senior pediatric dietitian. So she knows exactly what how valuable it is to introduce families to the nurturing foundations of food and the language around it, all that kind of stuff. So her main purpose is to support parents and through the stages and, and kind of the phases of feeding their family. So, as a senior pediatric dietitian, her work is dedicated to educating, empowering, and enabling parents to feed their children with what they need, unnecessary cost, like unnecessary time, tantrums, or any guilt. It's a hugely it's all evidence based as well, which what well, we love to hear, and it, it it's huge. Um, so some of the things that we kind of talk about are are kind of dealing with fussy eaters, the top tips, how to talk to toddlers and kids at meals uh, why messy eating is actually a good thing for the actual kids uh, but may not be for the washing machine and um, why kind of like the language around the food and how your potential uh, language and relationship with food can be actually pushed on to the next generation so if you look at where you are right now if you look at the language that was used around you has that had an impact on your relationship with yourself and food so it's a hugely important tool is rewarding kids with food the best thing in the long term? And tips to keep cool around your uh, around the kids around mealtime. It's it's a it's an amazing episode if you're a mom and a parent. Um, it's also embracing a follow on to an episode I did with Natalie Costa in relation to no parents can be perfect. It's it's a hugely uh, impactful episode, and I, I really do hope you guys I- I enjoy it. Um, so. Kathy is providing weaning and toddler masterclasses along webinars and one-to-one consultations so if you want to head over to have a meeting and have a consultation with Kathy I highly recommend it so her website is weaning.ie and I'll put that into the uh, the write-up for you guys so you can listen to it so I hope you guys enjoyed the episode any feedback would be amazing please share the episode so I hope you guys enjoyed the episode with Kathy Monahan. Hey Kathy how are we?
1: Hi Shane how are you thanks for having me on.
0: No worries at all. Thank you for so much for coming. on. I know one of my uh, clients was the one that got us in touch with each other. I know you're working with her uh, amazing son. So yeah. Kathy, I'm going to let you tell us what you're about, how you kind of got into this and yeah, the basic background to what you do on a daily basis.
1: Okay. So my name's Kathy Monaghan. I'm a pediatric dietitian. Um, I was in Temp Street for over 15 years and started weaning.ie. So my website's www.weaning.ie and, um, I started like 2016, 2017, but I was double jobbing. So uh, in June, I took a break to concentrate on being at home. I have three kids as well. So I do weaning.ie and the home stuff. Uh, So I do a weaning masterclass, a toddler masterclass. So anyone starting their child on solids, moving on to the toddler, say one to five-year-olds, then one-to-one consultations. So I have two of the girls from Temple Street who have joined me now. So the three of us are available for, you know, whatever parent's, Difficulties parents may be running into, or you know, even feeding anxiety or anything. You know what parents find difficult, Um, and we're because we're registered with Coru and that we're redeemable from health insurance, so um, we're available. So cow's milk protein allergy, lactose intolerance. When you're worried your baby's eating too much, eating too little, um, you know, constipation, iron deficiency anemia. We're, We're we've seen it all, heard it all, and we're here to help.
0: You mentioned there about kind of like, I think the lactose intolerance things in my head because I got asked a question on my DM this morning. So I know this is not on the questions that I sent over. So no, okay, no, no pressure uh, in relation to lactose intolerance and stuff. Do you feel that people are very quick to like look for a kind of a label with their kind of the, their kids and their newborns yeah, and stuff like that?
1: Absolutely. And I suppose, you know, um, have you kids yourself? No. No. Yeah. It's like so. Uh, The best description I've heard is, you know, having a kid is like a hand grenade into your life. And, um, you know, the lack of sleep and everything, even though you mentally prepare yourself for it, um, you know, there is nothing like it. And when, you know, I remember when my eldest was five weeks old, my husband was lying in the bed and he's like, we're doing something wrong. There's no way it could be this hard. Like, what are we doing wrong? It can't be this hard. And I was like, this is what people talk about. This is it's supposed to be this hard. But if you're awake, you know, you're straight onto Google looking, there has to be something wrong. What's wrong? Okay. Maybe the baby has this, that, or the other. And you're trying to problem solve. Um, but generally with lactose intolerance in young babies, um, you know, it, a teeny tiny percentage of the population are born with lactose intolerance. And they finish have the highest percentage of lactose intolerance uh, to be born with lactose intolerance. But generally in babies, uh, they develop, they can develop lactose intolerance after a beta of gastroenteritis because it strips out the brush border enzymes in the small intestine. And for about six weeks, they might have difficulty digesting lactose, but it should all return to normal. But, um, you know, but say cows with protein allergy and lactose intolerance are often confused. Um, you know, so me- so much gets confused and then, you know, maybe too many cooks get involved and it can just get so confusing for parents. So I suppose we are here to listen, take the symptoms and, you know, from our experience, we can help get you in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Don't go to Dr. Google, go to Kathy no. and yeah. the crew. That's yeah, basically Kathy,
1: it. Catherine and yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the things that kind of comes in an awful lot um, from kind of clients who have have newborns is kind of like they can be fussy eaters. Um, yeah. I think I asked my folks, was I a fussy? They were like, no, you're probably the other way around. You probably ate too, too much for you. But in relation to kind of like how many, like do you have any top tips that you kind of use and have used on your own kids and stuff like that uh, to kind of help and deal with the actual fussy eaters uh, around mealtimes?
1: Yeah. So I suppose from, you know, if we start from the beginning, when we start our child on solids, first of all, I suppose, you know, we were talking about diet culture and um, realistically, so many of us have a complicated relationship with food. You know, we've grown up with parents going to Weight Watchers, Slim World, Sins, good food, bad food. And I know a lot of your previous podcast guests talking about intuitive eating and all that, but I suppose it's for parents to begin with the possibility that maybe I don't have a straightforward complication or relationship with food and um, you know, to start there kind of and think about okay well what relationship with food do I want my future five-year-old to have or my future 15-year-old to have what what about my relationship with food do I not want to pass on um you know rather than jumping straight in getting them eating you know get getting the grub into them it's like taking the holistic approach you know a bit of a breather even before solids are even on the menu just thinking about your language around food, how much of the day is spent thinking about food, your uh, body satisfaction, dissatisfaction. you know, These are all things that our kids would benefit from us not passing on. So if we were to take a little bit of time to think about that and then let that influence our approach to food, our approach to meals and take it from there. So, you know, the say Annabelle Carmel is the, uh, biggest bookseller for weaning babies but before she came along you know there was no standard as in high standard for feeding kids so she's you know her books books came along the 80s 90s uh but all of a sudden you know we were it was sweet potato butternut squash avocado all things that don't grow in Ireland uh, you know so we're talking about sustainability environmental yeah. but we're teaching our kids to 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 start off with foods that don't even grow in the country. So um and so I advise parents to okay, first of all look at your own relationship with food. What would you prefer not to pass on? Uh then make a list of all the foods that you like to eat. You know, so ideally, I suppose if anyone's listening to this, they're into their nutrition, they're into health. Uh ideally your shopping trolley shouldn't have to change a whole lot when you start your baby on solids. Uh if you buy the recipe book, you automatically um okay, well, I need the bokeh garni. I need this. I need that. I remember one mom telling me when she started her baby on solids that uh, she had bought all the ingredients. And then when she went to make the food, she started crying because she forgot to buy the bokeh gurney. And because that was in the recipe book. So, you know, we're starting our babies with Shelburne hotel standard food where, so but we're better off focusing on the foundations of food. So weaning is, you know, we can only do it once with our ch- each child. It's the beginning of the relation- lifelong relationship yeah. with food. It's, um, the family coming together around the table. It's not about how much reaches their stomach. You know, there is we we get into that obviously, but and I covered all the weaning master class. Um, but it's starting with the foods that you eat. Okay. Most of us are in households where both parents are working. Um, you know, what's sustainable for me when we come in from work? What meals can we eat together? Okay, well. You know, maybe breakfast will be our meal that we can eat together. Maybe dinner will be our meal. And it's to remember that, you know, the American um, Academy of Pediatrics stated that what we're eating at nine months is indicative of what we'll be eating age five. So if we go completely down a different road than the food that we eat, you know, then then at five, we're back to work with more kids. They're going to sport, they're childcare, they're this, you know, there is no time to make separate meals no matter how much you like cooking you know the novelty of making separate meals for a family doesn't last you know no matter you know no matter who you were, so it's about um getting the foundations right so i suppose what i cover in my masterclass is not what you read about in the books and then often have you ever looked at any weaning recipe book or anything
0: i'm gonna not lie and say no
1: (laughs) yeah but that's fine um but if you look at it you know every picture the baby's perfect. The kitchen's perfect. The food is yeah, perfect. Okay, yeah, the absolutely. No. So if I'm uh, exhausted, stressed, um, you know, going back to work, stre- dreading the crash fees, all this kind of stuff. And then I'm looking at this baby in the book that looks beautifully happy eating his butternut squash. And my baby is like flinging it across the room. But actually, you know. Uh, throwing the food on the floor is a developmental stage that we don't learn about in the books. Uh, food refusal is a developmental stage. Um, you know, Messy food play is essential to learning to eat, but you don't get to see any of that in the mainstream stuff. So I suppose everything that's been put in front of parents is to make them feel like it's not going well. And if you feel things aren't going well, okay, well, then you'll buy this picture, you'll buy this, this book, then you'll buy this, and this is great for fussy eaters, and, and this, and this, and this. Whereas... You know, that's not helping at all. It's getting back to the kitchen table and the atmosphere that we're creating. Our expectations generally are way off. You know, we expect a one year old, you know, well, say 14, 18 months kind of to become a bit fussy. And that is to go, that's supposed to go back to, you know, as our children, our toddlers get more mobile, they get more fussy. And it's a protective thing on their part. So, say, uh you know so that they don't wander off and eat berries that they're not supposed to eat or they don't they stop putting uh non-edible or they stop putting things in their mouths as a safety mechanism but from our point of view we panic oh my god they're a fussy eater they're a fussy eater they're a fussy eater and so rather than focus on getting them familiar with the food letting them uh, feel safe around the food we go okay well i'll try this recipe this must be good for a fussy eater i'll try this i'll try this i'll try this they'll only eat this okay well I better I'll just keep eating that and the reason kids gravitate towards chicken nuggets chips that kind of thing is because they look the same every time they get them so you know uh the thing they like crackers because crackers look the same no matter every time you open the packet they look the same whereas if you chop a banana it could look different today it could be sweeter today than it was yesterday and you know blueberries might be soft and squishy today but they could be different shapes Uh, different sizes tomorrow so whereas crackers always look like crackers chicken nuggets always look like chicken nuggets frozen pizza always looks like frozen pizza so um you know it's not that there's anything wrong with your child it's a safety mechanism on their part so it's it's for us to adopt a okay how can we get them relaxed around the food how can we get them uh touching the food interacting with food you know so I always compare it to uh, say when kids start school, you know, there's no emphasis on learning. The emphasis is on uh, enjoying themselves in the classroom, being relaxed, um, happy to come back tomorrow. Whereas, with uh, as parents, um, you know, we we tend to expect straight A's at meal times straight away. And if we don't get that, then we label the kids. And you know, not like I'm not picking on parents. You know, it's it's in our nature. We want the best out of our kids, and. Um, but the standards are too high and our expectations often are too high. So it's it's about bringing it back. You know, if your teacher, if you think about how teachers now talk to kids and, you know, nurture, uh, they reside them to getting them relaxed in the classroom. It's all about encouragement and finding their strengths and that kind of thing. Whereas the old old school teaching was that, you know, now sit and do this and da-da-da-da-da. But our parenting around food is a bit like the old teachers rather than how teaching has evolved. Does that make sense?
0: That makes a lot of sense. I think it's really interesting. You spoke about kind of like the the, the palate and introducing kind of like the basic level palate and introducing what we have around us mm. and not going for like the Shelburne palate. Yeah. Uh, and also the, the psychological aspect of why kids are actually refusing the food and taking the kids' feelings mm. and yeah. emotions around the food uh onto things and i i i I know from my mates that have kids and stuff like that Meal times can be tricky uh i witnessed it about two weeks ago this he is three under six um i was tired
1: (laughs) yeah and like if you're after a day's work uh both of you after days work or you haven't had a night's sleep or one of them's sick or the creche is closed or something 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 you know your patience is zero And if your expectations are here at meals and your patience is zero, you know, it's not going to end well. And it's to try and, it's trying to find the positive, uh, encourage the positive, ignore the negative, trying for meals not to end on a negative. You know, and we, because we're running on empty a lot of the time, it's just, you know, whereas if we can, you know, if they left school feeling like they'd failed, they wouldn't be in a hurry to go back to school the next day. So it's to try and find, well done. geez, you're great with your beaker. Look at you with your cutlery. Uh, I spy my eye something green and they go broccoli. Ah, you're great with your colors. You know, so rather than, come on, another spoonful, another spoonful. It's like, what adjectives can you use to describe the food? Um, Can you, you know, if rather than say to a toddler, you know, come on, eat another bit of carrot, another bit of carrot. If you have a piece of carrot and go, is that crunchy or soft? Oh, that's a crunchy carrot. And is that an orange carrot or is it a green carrot? And, you know, so trying to make the food sound interesting, giving the food a bit of street cred. Have you seen, well, you probably wouldn't watch it anyway, but Waffles and Moochie on Netflix. Uh, oh, the, Michelle the, only Obama. I've
0: been, the only thing I've been uh, succumbed to is Peppa Pig.
1: Okay, right. Well, <laughs> she talks
0: about uh, seven veggies a, a day or something like that, rather than yeah. three or four that we've been recommended as kids.
1: Yeah, and that's, um, again, putting pressure on parents. Oh, my God, they've only eaten you know, and like, it's never going to work or you're never going to feel good about feeding your kid if you're micromanaging things. So, you know, if you were to look today and go, oh my God, they only had one piece of fruit. Oh my God. Whereas if we took a step back and over four weeks in a month, we can say, okay, well, they, you know, they had these different types or, or I exposed them and got them familiar with these and focus less on what uh, reaches their tummy so the the lingo is you know we provide they decide so it's our job to keep them familiar with the food if they're familiar with the food and relaxed around the food eventually you know they might eat the food but it has to be relaxed around the food and no pressure to eat the food so that it's say you could be the carrots and i could be the cucumber and we're trying to build a tower to see how high we can get it and by touching the cucumber or the carrot you know, they're getting familiar with it. They're getting the smell on their fingers. They might lick their fingers. They're getting exposed to the taste. So that's a completely different experience than you sitting there. Come on now, just taste a little bit, just taste a little bit, you know, or chopping up all the vegetables, trying to paint pictures, whatever is is an option in whatever household, you know, getting them to throw the stuff into the pot or whatever. Just to interact with food without any pressure to eat the food is where the success lies. But micromanaging, you're never going to feel good about it. And if you think about, say, when, you know, when, when a kid learns to cycle a bike or say a kid going to swimming lessons or something, um, you know, if they're terrified to get into the swim pool, we don't say, come on, just hop in, just, just come on, or get up on Where's the bike, the come on, just, just get on with it. You know, whereas that's the approach we tend to take with food. And often, you know, if a kid is struggling with food, you know, we might be on the phone to granny or wherever, and God, geez, I what I do they won't eat food. Jesus, like I did this and I did that and they won't eat food. But if they were trying to cycle a bike, we'd be on the phone going, well, they were great. They they held the handlebars and they got the, their feet on the pedals and they rang the bell and, you know, they put their helmet on and they were so good, granny. But with food, we go, we tend to go straight to the negative when it comes to kids. So we need to, like, even if in our inside we're screaming, for, the little ears need to hear the positive and, you know, reinforce the positive, ignore the negative, And it's chipping away at that but um some kids take longer than others some kids will be more fearful of different foods than others uh you know different taste buds different personalities um what uh you know if there's a lot of stress around food in the house you know if if we have to demonstrate the behavior that we want to see so you know if you're on keto or what counting sins or whatever and your kid, you're expecting your kid to eat a completely different meal than you are, you know. That's not going to, no. You know, they'll be like, well, why, why not? Why aren't we eating the same thing? You know, they. It, ideally, it's a, it's a, a, an experience that you share together. You, you know, you show your baby how to chew. They they learn to walk because they watch you walk. They learn to talk English or Spanish or whatever because of whatever language you speak. So you have to demonstrate how food is in your house. If you're skipping meals, eating, standing up, uh, reading emails, you know, that's what you're demonstrating. So it goes back to the very beginning, yourself and your partner, whoever, right. What way do we want food to be? What do we want to demonstrate here? We are, you know, the ones that will guide our kids' future relationship with food. And like, uh, I know on different podcasts that you've done, you talk about like, women's relationship with food is generally traditionally more complex perhaps than men's but you know what could women our our future daughters and sons achieve if we weren't spending so much time thinking about food or our body shape or you know so uh, there's little to be gained from food perfection
0: it doesn't exist
1: yeah but, so but aspiring aspiring for even food for pers- pers- you know we're missing out on so many other things in life and the enjoyment you know especially from mental health point of view mm-hmm. you know if what i say to parents is um you know we're all into manifesting and all this now but manifest the kitchen table you want with your teenager you know that their friends are happy to come in sit around the table with you that you put a big pot of something in the table and uh you know help yourself there how's things? Um, you know, when you hear what's going on under life so I've a, a 10 11 year old and you know it's amazing how quickly they spend very little time with you so you know they've got their sport they've their PlayStation um you know we're, we're all in the same house but actually how much time we actually sit and talk together is only meal times really and if we didn't have meal times I'm not sure I when I would hear what happened in school or who said what yeah. or so uh, from our overall health point of view, you know, it's not about what reaches the belly. It's the being able to be at the same table with each other Um, you know, always having something on the table that suits each child. So it's not that um, we all have to eat the same food, but if we the same food is on offer, but say, I know Liam doesn't like pasta. Well, then that day, maybe there's a bit of rice left in the fridge from the day before or there's a bit of potato or if he has to have bread. So be it. But he's happy to sit at the table. You know, if he's familiar with the food, my frozen there. No. Right. If he's familiar with the food, you know, the the nurturing connection, safety, uh, happy to be there is where the success is. It's not about, OK, he didn't eat that. I better go and get another recipe. OK, well, and then, you know, if you spend two hours going to the shops, cooking the food da, 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 and then lean, doesn't eat the food, then, you know, your your patience has gone further whereas if you spend less time cooking you know teach them what you like to eat from the very beginning it's not that uh what you would feed your kids is better than what i feed my kids but if it's suits my house you know 90 percent of what we eat is in the home or our kids eat is in the home so uh it's not that your kid will eat in everybody's house it's you know what matters is your house
0: i really like the example that you use there about having the the meal time and using that as a time to kind of like build the rapport and build a relationship and that is the time they're probably going to mimic you more yeah. and make that a fun time make that the 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 family I mean, like i remember as a kid like that was the time it was like the yeah. same time every evening um yeah. that that was always like everyone dropped everything for that yeah I, and i do remember that and that and that i stood um that side of things but i, I think it is like it's important to know like and I had Natalie Costa on, so she deals with how to talk to kids and she's a she's a child therapist and stuff like that. And she says, like, there's not such a thing as a perfect parent. Yeah. So it's important to know that it's figuring out what works for you and your family, but it's also important to figure out, like, that you're not pushing your, as you said, your own insecurities about your food, insecurities about your body, insecurities about your self-esteem and stuff like that onto your kid, which can mm-hmm. be difficult to do. Mm-hmm. But knowing there's support out there, and there's other people going through it as well. Like if, as you said, you you used kind of like two examples of like going keto and stuff like that. If they don't see you eating carbohydrates for whatever stupid reason. Um, they're going to think that is
1: yeah. And if you're going, no, no, I'm not. I'm not having uh, bread. Today. I I'm can't have to this. Good. I'm on this diet. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to be good. Um, you know, and then environmentally as well. So say the older kids, you know, there's a lot of 10, 11 year olds going vegan or vegetarian for environmental reasons, but. I suppose uh, we can teach them how to be environmental without um, you know, like it's they can, if they want to go vegan, you know, we can yeah. support that. And we can make that happen. But, you know, don't maybe the language that we use. Can we let's go plant trees? Let's go pick flowers. Let's try and get two days out of our clothes instead of one. Let's, um, you know, let's go to the beach and pick up litter. Let's, you know, doesn't always have to be food.
0: I like that. Um, You mentioned there about kind of getting two days out of your clothes. And one of the things that kind of came in was uh, dealing with messy eaters and why that's actually a good thing. Not for a washing machine, but for a good thing for the kids.
1: So if you think about when a kid starts to learn to colour in, we don't sit beside them uh, with a rubber, keeping them inside the lines and say, no, 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 stay inside the line. No, 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 no inside the line, you know, we give them the crayon, we give them the page, and we say go for it. And the more they go for it, the more they learn, the more they they learn how to use the, the, you know, the crayon is the future pen is the future hurl or hockey stick or whatever. It's all hand-eye coordination. So the spoon, you know, is the same thing. The more they get to practice with it from the very beginning really, you know, part of the weaning masterclass would be uh you know give them the utensils. Even if you're doing baby led weaning, which is you know you skip the purees but you still need to learn how to use a spoon so it's it's a skill you know that's a skill we we forget that these are all skills because we take them for granted but uh so they don't when they learn when they color in they can't color with perfection they have to make a mess so it's the same approach with food um you know if you saw a parent or a teacher expecting the kids to stay inside the lines you'd be like ah here So if we expect them to not be messy at meals, it's the same expectation, you know, and mess. Kids are relaxed around mess, you know, uh, you know, anything goes when there's mess. So and I suppose a lot of us have, uh, I suppose, you know, whenever we have kids, we're probably used to our houses being a certain way. The. Instagram the cushions are you know the little triangle in the middle the you know we're we're, we have fairly high standards when it comes to our homes and things like that and when you have kids you know mess comes or untidiness comes first because they have a kid brings so much stuff but then the mess really comes with food and a lot of parents struggle with the mess you know especially then you know if you're tired and you're working and the last thing you want to be doing is scraping food off the floor but it's really short-term pain long-term gain you know um and then there's lots of products that are developed to reduce the mess so say you can get non-spill beakers you can get soothers that you put the food in um and they are all developed for the parents benefit because they reduce the mess so if you're in supermarket like um next time you're in the supermarket have a look at the variety of beakers you know the top shelf one are 15 to 20 euro and they cause no mess but the bottom shelf one is like a euro and that's the most fun for the child and the most mess you know they they spill but if the the beaker can spill they have to learn that their tongue stops the spilling coming out if they hold uh, a cup under a beaker they learn hand-eye coordination that the the liquid goes into the beaker and they think they're great because they got it in um, and it makes it interesting. But if we don't give them access to learn all those skills, we're taking the fun away. We're taking the learning away. And you're like, then it's just boring for them. You know,
0: that's fascinating. But uh, I didn't know there was soothers with the food. food. So them. then
1: And so that's uh, number one, it reduces mess. But number two every parent has a fear of their child choking. So yeah. if it's in a little mess mesh in a soother, you know, they're not going to choke on it. But from the child's point of view, every every fruit has the same texture in it. Uh, okay. Generally, generally they're sucking on the soother in the buggy or walking around and they don't actually realize they're eating. So from an intuitive eating point of view, it's not actually registering with them that they're eating. Um, so anything that reduces mess or is developed for the parent's benefit, not for the child's benefit. So, and that's what weaning.ie hopes to help parents go, you know, identify. And because by not going down that road, your child will um, get used to food quicker, interact with food quicker, have better hand-eye coordination, be more relaxed around food, happy to sit at the dinner table with you. You can come in from work, eat the same things, uh, you know, so it all
0: leads into the next thing you know what i mean i think it's, it's the psychology behind it and the, the behaviors and stuff like that is, is is fascinating um one of the things i like i know we kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier on in relation to kind of the language and stuff around foods where does it kind of come in regarding to kind of rewarding kids with food like if you give me doesn't matter what age they are but like if you're like i know there's these like kitty kind of like ipads I know, I can't remember what they're called. Um, But, like, the whole thing of, like, if you finish that food, I'll give you back the iPad or something like that, for some example like that. Where do you kind of stand on rewarding kids with food?
1: Then, um, you know, it's... I suppose the aim isn't how much reaches their belly because, you know, say your partner or whatever, you never say, come on, you haven't had enough, you need another spoonful there. No, come on, you need another bit of... You know, so you don't know how hungry someone else is. So... um, you know, and I suppose um, I'm not getting into breastfeeding, bottle feeding, whatever. But with breastfeeding, you can you can't quantify how much the baby's eaten. You respond to the baby's cues. Whereas sometimes with bottle feeding, if it says on the tin they need to have thirty ounces in the day, you'll panic if they don't get the thirty ounces. So it's trying to feed solids as if you can't measure how much they're having. You know, and there's other factors, obviously, if they're not growing, you know, it's more complicated than that. And, but if you're worried that your child isn't eating enough, you know, come to us and we'll help. But in general, if you provide the food, uh, think about their stomach size, you know, their stomach is roughly the size of their fist. If it's full of milk, if it's full of snacks, if it's full of something else, they might not eat very much at that meal. So you kind of go, okay, well, sure. I know they're full, so sure I'll offer it and we'll take it from there, but we keep it relaxed um but rewarding from food you know so you don't want you want to avoid rewarding for quantities you know that um you don't want food to be a thing you know That um you know just um it's, you you could not that reward is the wrong word even but acknowledge how good they are their skills with their spoon with their beaker thanks for sitting at the meal so maybe your child struggles with sitting for 15 minutes well then you know fair play to him well thanks for sitting it was great to hear about your day or you, you're really good with your beaker and uh you know thanks for spooning the peas onto so-and-so's plate or thanks those kind of things rather than how much reaches their belly so it's it's avoiding uh you know it's it's you don't it, It's to try and avoid your kids thinking that they have to please you with food.
0: Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And kids are also quite clever. I don't think we give credit to kids because they understand when they're full. And we lose that somewhere along the line as adults in relation to like not being able to deal with emotions, not being able to deal with stress, not being able to deal with grief, whatever it may be.
1: But we can learn from them as well.
0: Exactly. And I think like there's an amazing book, like Intuitive Eating is a great book and stuff like that. There's another one,
1: Raising Intuitive Eaters.
0: Yeah. There's two incredible books on it. And like it can become a little bit overwhelming with the amount of stuff that you kind of have to try and remember each time. But a simple tool, like taking a big deep breath in and actually saying, like, what do I need right now? Is it is is a simple one or taking a glass of water rather than potentially reaching for the food because all that's happening is it's literally like a wave. It rises up whatever's happening, and then it crashes back down. It doesn't last whatever's going on. Um, and if it's, if it's not hunger, food's not really going to solve whatever's going on. And I think that's what a lot of people are struggling with right now is they they've suppressed so much stuff for so long, and it's kind of like yeah. a volcano's erupted over so over yeah. kind of like the, the, the few lockdowns. And um, the
1: the language around meals, you know, it says there's a rise in eating disorders all through yeah. lockdown because so many of us are, okay, I'm going to be really good now. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be really healthy. I'm going to cut this out, cut that out, you know, and if our kids didn't have their sports and things over the lockdowns, you know, and we're aiming for perfectionism in food, whereas, you know, it does yeah, it doesn't exist or perfectionism in general, the gifts of imperfection, you know.
0: Yeah. Perfection is kind of like, yeah, perfection. Doesn't, I always compare perfection to my hairline. It doesn't exist. <laughs> like, so, Perfection is this biblical term that has been yeah. there from, but it, it doesn't exist in human. Like, all we can do is our absolute best. We can only be human. And that's all we need to teach the kids. So we need to teach ourselves, really, before we can actually pile it onto the kids. Uh, sometimes good enough is, is enough. Um, and like
1: some days, everything goes pear you know, depends on the age of the child. But that's life. But yeah, so like you get a takeaway today, lads, we're just having a takeaway today. It's a bad day today. Or work was crazy today. Come on. But then you can still enjoy the meal. You can still hear about their day you can still you know you know so it's it's not about good food bad food it's you know especially you know the way things are at the moment
0: yes things are a little bit messed up we we're having runs a bit off air about it um what about keeping kind of like your cool and keeping your your kind of your anger and your temper in check around kind of midst meal times because like it can be stressful i've seen it with my mates and like there's just mayhem
1: yeah well, like you know, none of us, none of us are perfect, and yeah. have your bad days and whatever. But, um, like first of all, start with your expectations. I suppose, it, I suppose, when you know, when you're feeling that kind of way before the meal, you know, if it's been a bad day and whatever. So, from your own point of view, say, listen, I'm just going to have to let everything go here because otherwise, I'll erupt. So, if you want bread, you know, I'll just, I'll just go with it. Put the stuff on the table. and and, you know if I need to step out for a minute I'll step out but um you know there's there's nothing to be gained there's different parenting styles food parenting styles and you know all the research would say that the authoritarian um eat this and I'll give you this the no you can't have that until you have this backfires doesn't work from a a life point of view, if we took that when we're teaching them swimming or cycling, you know, we we just wouldn't do that. or if our child was struggling with reading, we wouldn't give out to them when they stumbled on a word or whatever. We'd encourage what they did actually do and the progress that they're making, or if the book was too difficult, we'd get them an easier book. or you know we'd respond to wherever they at what they are at. So it's taken what we naturally do in other aspects of raising kids to
0: food. And what about the likes of say some of the foods that some kids can struggle with is in relation to kind of like getting veggies in or fruit in how do we kind of increase that or how do we kind of work around that do we we blend it or do we kind of just spike them with like spinach put it into the meal or what
1: well it's like vegetable first weaning so traditionally in ireland we would have started with the pureed pear and all that so we know our babies have a sweet tooth or sweet preference for sweet stuff because milk breast milk or formula yeah. is sweet it's lactose they like it they come back for more so we like the sweet stuff so if we start uh, our kids on solids with the sweet recipes so generally the recipe books or the pouches or whatever they're you know taste them they are all sweet because ba- babies kids like sweet stuff sweet stuff sells if it they eat it you'll buy it the next time etc so if we start with the foods that we expect our children to like least you know uh, it'll take them a little bit longer to get established on solids and they'll make all sorts of funny faces like what the hell are you feed me yeah. but we're waking up the taste buds in a different direction yeah uh, the mess that gets them to interact with the food they have to see it touch it smell it get familiar with it um you know it's not placing different foods on pedestals so that if you eat your broccoli you get whatever so i have a picture of uh, my daughter uh with so she's three now but say when she was about two uh we're eating out you know and the kids meals come first or whatever but i had broccoli and ice cream in front of her at the same time and she'd take a bit of ice cream go back to the broccoli and you know so um sometimes it's us that's the problem that um you know you have to eat this now no eat a bit more whereas if you just put it all in front of them and say nothing they'll naturally explore you know so if you were to put six colors in front of them and tell them that they're only allowed to use the green color you know they're going to want color with all the other colors so um but if you just put them on in front of them and said nothing they would chip they the chop and change one, yeah. yeah so it's keeping them familiar so if your child is already fussy and and fussy i don't like the term fussy it's uh selective or fearful of certain foods or whatever it's like okay if they were struggling with reading, how would I approach this? Okay, so we get them relaxed around the food first. Okay, are there any games we could play with the food? You know, say frozen peas with straws, you know, trying to play football kind of with with the straw so that the peas are actually fun. They're uh, playing a game with it, painting with different vegetables. Whatever way you can uh, get your child to interact with food, but absolutely no pressure to eat it. And the more they interact with the food, see the food, touch the food, smell the food, you know, you focus on that bit and the eating will look after itself. But it's, if you try and skip that bit, um, it won't do you any good. It won't do them any good. And just make meals more stressful.
0: I really like that advice. I'm better kind of let them figure it out.
1: Yeah. And then it's, Uh, and then it's the language adjectives around food. So, you know, um, God, they're lovely and crunchy, those peas or, um i love i love when the bananas are that color or uh you know those strawberries oh my god those strawberries are so juicy rather than come on eat another strawberry you know say my daughter was having cucumber this morning and it was like that's a juicy crunchy green cucumber you know rather than come on another bit of cucumber if you know what i mean so it makes it very interesting it gives the vegetables a bit of street cred um you know but it is about being patient and which is easier said than done and some houses you know dinner works where you can eat together some houses it's breakfast some houses it's a sunday so so there's no standard it's like okay what what can we do in our house um so you know if you're both working sometimes there's a tendency for us to feed our kids and then put kids to bed and then the adults to have their meal but you know really ideally to try and eat something together to the more they eat with you the more the less distractions they are the you know the telly's not on the ipad's not on and all that kind of stuff the easier they are going to be to go on holidays with the easier they're going to be to bring to a restaurant the easier they're going to be to bring to other people's houses so and that is all going to benefit you does that make sense
0: so much sense. And there's so many useful tips in what you've what you've said and so many practical tips, which I think is the and it's not coming coming from a kind of um, a judgment point of view, which is the hardest part for people is like they judge themselves if they don't get it right in all aspects of, of life. How does how do the services of like weaning.ie and the courses that you have, how do they kind of educate and how do they encourage kids and the adults themselves in relation to kind of help
1: So I suppose it's uh showing them the bigger picture, you know, that it's not just, everyone's always wants recipes and recipes. So, um, I, you know, we do have a recipe book coming, but it's, um, I encourage people to stop and look at what they're eating first and, okay, how can we build on that? How do we go from there? Okay. What are their nutritional needs? You know, if they have had this, 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 you know, they've met their iron needs, they've met their carbohydrate needs, they've met this, they've met everything they need to grow. And outside that, there's no pressure on you. You offer it. if they want it, they can have it. If they don't, that's fine too. You know, their appetite will fluctuate, but you know that they've met their nutritional needs from, you know, a certain amount of whatever. And then toddlers, so to say zero to 12 months, our growth tends to be a bit like, you know, we triple our birth weight by a year. So we're grown like mad. And then after a year, our growth levels off. And as our growth levels off, our appetite levels off. So, you know, an 18 month old, doesn't necessarily eat a huge amount more than a 10 month old but as parents we expect them to eat more but so part of the class is that you know if they've had this 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 they've met their nutritional needs you know then it's enjoyment or you know it's always enjoyment but you know so there's no pressure on you so that's what I'm trying to I suppose it's it's more learning about childhood nutrition and applying it to your house and how it'll work to your house um that kind of thing. And then some parents, you know, prefer to have one-to-ones and that we can do all that.
0: So where can but people find out about the the stuff? It's all the on weaning.ie
1: on? or weaning at weaning.ie on Instagram. So everything is there. And, you know, if there's any particular needs that parents have, we're open to everything. Um, so we're, we're here to help because like part of having, our helping our teenager, future teenagers out is how they can communicate with us. And if we miss the communication at meals, I don't know when we get to communicate with them, so it's um, you know it is part of our overall well being, our our precious time together at the dinner table.
0: I, I, there's like there's so much in there for people, as I said. I probably have to listen back to it again with all the the stuff that you've said. So where can people kind of is there a new is there a course or is there a kind of a webinar so, and all that coming up? In the next um,
1: month? I have one on the twenty first of March for weaning, the twenty fifth of March for toddlers and then i hope to have some new new services um around april so if people sign up for my newsletter uh, they'll be first to hear about everything so if you just log on to my website you'll automatically get the sign up form there and um get in touch you know absolutely love to to help
0: amazing guys prevent, you want.
1: prevent problems
0: exactly uh guys if you want to book in a consultation or head over to any of those webinars and courses and stuff like that head over to winning.ie i'll put the links into the write-up for you so you can just click on those and you can book in your appointment but kathy thank you so much for, Thanks for many, Jane, I enjoyed that. that. thank you so much thank you